It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And welcome back to the Wolverine Podcast. I'm John Borden. We are here with Tom Crawford. He's a guy that is based out of East Lansing, Michigan. You know oh, him, God. big Michigan guy. Yeah. Uh, tough, tough place to be these days. I, I'm and... thinking about move. I'm thinking about moving. Seriously, I mean, uh, okay, seriously. <laughs> well, I mean, if for for doing the uh, press pass uh, with yeah. one Rico beard alone these days, that's worth <laughs> a a purple heart, I would think. Yeah, yeah, combat pay, definitely. Yeah, it's. Uh... That's interesting. You know, we've we've taken it uh, this rivalry, Michigan, Michigan State. You know, all in good nature, ribbing and things of that nature, for the most part. It's getting been getting a little more personal in the D'Antonio era. Now it's at that toxic level, and and some of the things that have come out in the last couple of days. I mean, I I hope this thing comes to a culmination in terms of some type of a statement from the NR Police Department or the Big Ten Conference. Uh, when you just go you know, dark on it in terms of any communication, then things just fester even more. That's my feeling. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, and we got uh, this development today. You see this attorney for, uh, you know, on the Michigan State side of things, charging that uh, it was a Michigan player, in fact, that started this. And it's just, I mean, it's filled with, very unprofessional language, in my opinion. Oh my God! I couldn't. And, I, that, attorney, I said to myself, "This is attorney wrote this, this copy." Yeah. I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. It didn't misspells like Devin it. Bush's name. It, yeah. it it launches into this premise that uh, oh, Jim Harbaugh is the uh, whatever the the victim in chief and yeah. all this yeah. howling yeah. at the moon and the and all of that and and then immediately the instigator and immediately starts to veer off into Juwan Howard and Devin oh, yeah. Bush and what about this and what about that? Yeah. And, oh, by the way, uh, a Michigan player started it all. Yeah, yeah. And you know, throws Mich- in the fact that he was – it throws in the fact that he was charging with his helmet. And I was saying to you before, what does charging with your helmet mean? Is it like you lower your head and you oh, I'm going to hit you? Or it's not – it didn't say swinging a helmet. didn't say anything like that. I mean, what 
it, it's like you're being real careful. You want to put that word in there. You want to put helmet in there, but yeah. you don't want to state a specific yeah. action yeah. with it because the uh, because the the video probably does yeah. not support that. Yeah, yeah. Let's go to the video. Hell, you know, I'm open to anything. You know, I want to get to the truth. Absolutely. Show me the video. Film, don't mm-hmm. lie. Michigan State is really damn good at something. Playing the victim. They got that down to a science. Yeah, well, hey, if if there's something that shows that, uh, that a Michigan player was involved, A, yeah, then you do something about that because that's what we, I mean, we're reasonable on this side of things. Yeah, that would be warranted. But yeah. B, there is... I, there are very little that a single player could do that would warrant a beatdown by about eight guys. Uh, so I don't think that lets Michigan State off the hook either way. But we want it. Hey, let's let the video tell what it tells. Yeah, yeah. Tell and then him. then take care of it from there. Yeah, I'll go Even back handed. and say. Yeah, I'll, I'll go back and say. You know, oh, you know what? You got the evidence now. You know, uh, you were, I guess you were right. Or I guess uh, it was the other direction. But show me the video. And this is going to play, the truth is going to play out. I'm telling you what, John, and I know we got to get on to more important things like between the lines of Michigan football. But Bigger fish I'm to fry. What, it's, yeah, there you go. It's getting more and more difficult to navigate this rivalry for me. Just interacting with Michigan State people. I'm walking on eggshells. You're a lot, you know, just with, with election talk with with people of bearing uh, swimming in different lanes. And that's even easier than doing <laughs> doing this Michigan, Michigan State thing. It's nuts. Uh, so I just want this thing to, to culminate, get to the truth. I want the truth to be made, you know, so if it takes more time, do it. But, man, what the, these, you know, Izzo's comment last night, my radio TV partner, Jack Ebling, uh, threw him a question. Um, and it was about four minutes long. And uh, I, you know, I love Izzo. I consider him a friend, but I didn't like, I didn't like what he said. I'll, I'll just say that I did not like what he said. We'll leave it at that. All right. Okay. Well, fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah. it, it, certainly, I know I saw the comment that there's, there's more than one bad guy in this. Yeah, more than one bad know, guy. Yeah. 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 So, all right. Well, we're talking about bigger fish to fry. Let's f- fry this fish right now. And that is the fact that, Michigan, in the last four games, has exerted complete and utter dominance in the second half. Uh, You saw it against Rutgers. We've seen it 100 points to three in the last four games in the second half. That's unprecedented to me. I mean, I don't know when it's ever happened before. Yeah. Your thoughts? Well, the 100 is impressive, okay? Mm -hmm. But the three, the three – is really Ridiculous. impressive, Jesse Mentor. That's I early seventies stuff. I mean, oh, oh yeah, you're the dude, man. You are the. I mean, some of these metrics on on Michigan, uh, what their accomplishments are in this two year set, remind me back in the seventies when I was in school. You know, I mean, when Michigan down exactly. back to back. I mean, this has been a long, long time because when you look at what Michigan like in 06, then when you went to an 07 and back to an eight four a four loss team. You know, when you look at the history, even Mo had the same problem of, of you know, getting uh, you know, back-to-back good seasons. I guess, you know, 91, 92. But I, I'm, I'm saying it's this is another level that Michigan has accomplished. And, you know, if they get to 10-0 and for the second straight, I mean, this is – this is well, they didn't get to 10-0 last year, but, I mean, they're going to 
They were in the CFP last year, and they likely, I mean, I think they're going to be in the CFP this year because I think they're going to beat Ohio State this year. I'm, I'm feeling that right now. But this is, All right. this is well, we unbelievable. Will... Yep, definitely going to talk about that. You know, it's interesting. Uh, you look at look at these stats that we're showing, 38 nothing in the second half, 57 yards in the second half for Rutgers. You go right down the line, Michigan just – is uh, crushing teams in the second half. And so for some, that brings forth the question, well, okay, why aren't they doing this right out of the gate? <laughs> and, you know, I, I found that one Doug Karsh, who is the voice of Michigan football uh, and brings a lot, I believe, to the broadcast and to his Monday segments with us on our website, uh, that, that – I think he has something here that was worth talking about. He uh, he said in our, on our regular segment, uh, points out the fact that Michigan scripts its first 15 plays. And he thinks that that plays into – and they work on those throughout the week, that whole segment, those 15 right. plays. You do it every that. day. Yep. You work it five yep. times, and so that's your sixth time going through it all when right. you hit Saturday – and therefore, you've got that high percentage where you're cashing in. But then mm-hmm. also, you know, what they what they put in there are, are some testers in terms of formation and things like that. And they see how the defense is going to handle it. And then for the rest of the game, you have an idea of how you're going to react to these different things. And and he thinks that, that on two levels, uh, you're accomplishing something going in. With a with a package that you know you feel really good about and you're well drilled on, and then secondly that uh, you have a good idea of what the defense is going to throw against you in different uh, down and distance in different uh, formations, and so you are more ready to go. It's you can't really do that with the defense, but we've talked about the adjustments the defense has made. Jim Harbaugh talked about how hard they're playing. Your reaction to all of that? in terms well, I, of how it's playing out. Yeah, and I think a lot of teams, you know, script out those first 15. I mean, I, I think that's mm-hmm. – and, and that's a good way to do it. Uh, I, I, You know, when you think about Michigan, you know, doing better in the second half, I mean, they could have done better in the first half. There were some execution issues. Obviously, sure. a block punt uh, for a touchdown is a uh, – that's a destructive play to your team. I mean, that one, you know, we, we heard about all that, uh, the percentage chances of a team winning a game uh, when they have a block punt return for touchdown is is huge, okay? So Michigan survived that. That's one of those dramatic moments. I mean, they got to fix that, but they survived that. And then there were also some execu- execution plays. I thought the, the, the J.J. throw to Andrew Anthony, I mean, that um, – they were a little bit off, both of them. I mean, in execution. I mean, uh, JJ could have hung that out a little, you know, could have could have more a little more loft on that, and maybe Andrew could have had more time to get to it. But I, I thought it was still catchable. You know, I mean, he went. It would have been a heck of a catch, but that's still a catchable ball. And um, I mean, that that changes the game right there. I mean, that that changed it. I mean, the first half right there, little things like that. And then um, I and then. Defensively, I think Michigan makes a lot of adjustments from a secondary standpoint because, you know, that sure. quarterback got hot. He's a freshman. Uh, he was in rhythm in the first half, but then they got they, they, they got the quarterback pressures, which were seemingly – remember the Indiana game with the seven sacks in the second half? 
oh, yeah. no sacks, right. I think, in the first half. I mean, so the quarterback mm -hmm. pressures that it bothered this guy, and uh, you know, I'll, you know, this quarterback, and all of a sudden, you know, look what happens. You know, uh, three interceptions and one pick six. And there's Absolutely. the one and only and <laughs> Doug Carr. Speaking <laughs> of the one and only Doug Carr, he is now with us. Doug, we were just talking about the uh, the adjustments and uh, the second half. Uh, he okay. He's, he's trying to hear he you. He, he, he cannot hear you. I think that's what he's saying right now. Can you hear me work? now? All right. Well, we'll try we'll this again. That. We'll keep going with this segment. <laughs> but anyway, you you, you mentioned the, uh, the 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 parts to it that uh, I think are very important. Here's a couple more. You're playing without with a jumbled up offensive line because of injury. Mm -hmm. And you're also not – you don't have one of your starting cornerbacks, thanks to uh, Michigan State right. University, with right. Jamon Green out. Right. Also, your Lou Groza a kicker, barely misses a couple of 50-yard yeah. field goals. One yeah. slides just right and one slides just left. If if yeah. all those things are different, you're right. You do start quicker. So I, I think that um, the, way they, uh, the way they came on, it, um, it, it is uh, just – one more block in a chain of, of really magnificent performances. So, um, all right, let's move on to, to one Mr. Blake Corum. He, he had a little bit of a, of a rough start. Yeah, uh, up. Like yeah. he lost a little supper on the field as he yeah. was, uh, you know, coming off early. But he recovered and another 100-yard game. My question to you, Tom Crawford, is this. You know, this is a guy that all of a sudden has got a chance to have one of the greatest rushing the football seasons in Michigan football history. I mean, he could be – this could be a uh, a top five effort quite easily if he, if he finishes strong. Your thoughts on his place in Michigan football history if he continues to do the kind of things he's been doing? Well, I think he could be one of the all-time greats. I think we mentioned, you know, I keep going back to uh, Tyrone Wheatley and, and to Munga Biaka Batuka in terms of uh, backs that could dominate a game like like Blake in terms of durability and speed. And and he's got both. I mean, he's a powerful back. Um, he's got – sometimes I look. I think I'm looking at Derrick Henry sometimes, and I know that's, that's high cotton right there when I say that. But, mm -hmm. I mean, when I look at Derrick Henry, you know, and he's a bigger guy. Okay, Derrick Henry, but um, uh, another team, Alabama, but um, and now the Titans. I just think that uh, he could be the best. I mean, I think he's stronger than than and, and more cut and, uh, than Mike Hart was. Mike Hart was a great back, great blocker. Um, I, I think he could be. I could. He could be all time great. Now we go back. You know, you got Ron Johnson, and I'm an old man here, so I'm gonna throw Ron Johnson, Billy Taylor. You can go on. Rob Lytle, the late Rob Lytle. There's been a lot of great back. I mean, a ton of great backs. But I think Blake could be the best of them all. I truly think that. Well, I'll tell you, one of the the guy he most reminds me of. I mean, Derrick Henry. That's that's high praise, and he's Henry's obviously a bigger back. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's I'm talking the about the style. The style is what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. The the stature and the whole package. I, I man, I I flash back to Mike Hart with him. <laughs> you know, he's coaching him now. Yeah. But. Uh, those those quick feet and uh, how how just relentless he is and he's good with the football and 
And even right down to this, now Mike Hart has said publicly, well, Blake, Blake's a little uh, more, uh, he's smarter than I am, a little more controlled than I was when I was playing as far as things he says. But after that Michigan State game, Blake Corum was uh, summoning the spirit of Mike Hart in some of his it's subtle and not so subtle trash talk. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We saw that. We we're, were walking in the prep post game presser. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Tuck Cummins comment. Um, I, I, you know, but you know, when you think about Mike Hart versus Blake Corum, and I'm I'm going back to you know 2004, obviously to 2007, those four seasons. I don't remember the, I don't remember the huge chunk play. I mean, the breakaway for touchdowns that Blake had last year and this year with Mike Hart. I mean, Mike Hart was really good. Uh, you know, between, mm-hmm. you know, the, the 20s, and he got 25, 35-yard chunk plays going left a lot, uh, dragging people, a strong runner. Um, but do you remember those taking, you know, taking it to the house touchdowns of Mike Hart? I don't remember. I those. remember, I remember uh, you know, some 45s and 50s, but uh, I, I do not believe that Mike Hart had the sustained burst that yes. Blake good, Corum has. Good, so, good phrase. Uh, I will. Yes. Yeah. He could be more easily caught than, than Blake Corum. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're on the same page there. Well, let's, okay. let's move on and talk a little bit about something that uh, one of your broadcast partners brought up that I find just absolutely fascinating. I've, I've been, it's been tough for me to, to stop thinking about it. Since okay. he, since Jack Ebling said this in the Michigan press box before the Michigan State game, he said, you know, if Michigan finishes this thing out, uh, Michigan 22, 022 is going to be greater than Michigan 1997. And there was some discussion that started some discussion on our board uh, this week. And I, lo- I went back and looked and, you know, the, the 97 team, played number three, number four. This is when they played them. Number eight, a couple of number 15s, a number 23. And uh, it's, and so far, this Michigan team has played one ranked team at the time they played them, Penn State right. at number 10. So, but to finish these days, I mean, you got to beat three five, top five teams. You got to win 14 uh, Ohio games. State and then the playoffs. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. so it, it – uh, I'm thinking, okay, if all of that happens, well, Jack, then you're probably right. But that's a big <laughs> if, and that's a high. Yeah. See, see, when I look at that 97 season, John, you know, I'm, I'm not one of these guys of evaluating a team what they were ranked at the time. Like when, Colorado, when Michigan beat Colorado in that opener, the what they were ranked at the time was pretty high. Colorado didn't end up being a very good team. You know, and and That's I don't true. think Ohio State ended up being as good uh, at the end of the season um, as they were, or even though that was the last game. I mean, I'm just saying, but I, I got to look at the whole. You, sure. you go to 14 games, and then we'll we'll, we'll do an evaluation because the Georgia Bulldogs would be on that list, and there's nobody, right. on, no opponent in '97 that Michigan played that is a Georgia Bulldog caliber, and it looks like we have Doug Karsh. Yes, Doug Karsh is back with us. And, Doug, I want to – great to have you with us. I want to uh, – the voice of Michigan football, obviously. We want to get you in on this. Uh, Jack Ebling, before the Michigan State game, in the Michigan press box, uh, made the proclamation that he thinks if Michigan finishes this thing out, he said, which means runs the table the rest of the way, then 2022 becomes greater than 
1997. And I have a hard time arguing that uh, against that, except, I mean, the thing is, you have got a, uh, a lot of work to do to run the table these days at the end of the season. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's it's a little bit of putting the cart before the horse, right? I mean, making that comparison now. Um, if they run the table and then beat, you know, TCU and Georgia to win the national championship, then I would say yes. If mm-hmm. they run the if run the table means beat Ohio State and beat whoever comes out of the West, which you know at this point I. I can't imagine will be a, as tough a test as it should be. I would say I'm not ready to make that declaration just yet. Um, have you tried to figure out the West, by the way, all the ramifications uh, and the tiebreakers? Uh, it's, it's crazy. I'm, Oregon, UCLA, and USC. It's nuts. Yeah. I'm pulling yeah. for a seven-team, five-and-four tie. <laughs> so everybody's deadlocked. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm waiting till we get there. But Doug, you mentioned something in our weekly talk that um, I, I think is very worth bringing up here, and that's the fact that Ohio State showed some cracks in the armor in the bad weather oh, yeah. against Northwestern, and you thought that was more significant than even the the big name. Uh, you know, crashes over the weekend. Talk about that a little bit. Well, it's because, I mean, Michigan controls its own destiny, right? If they run the table, they are going to the college football playoff. In fact, even if they lose in the next couple of weeks and beat Ohio State and beat the champion of the Big Ten West, they're probably going to playoff then anyway. I don't foresee them losing to Nebraska or Illinois at this point because Illinois just lost to a last-place team in the East. In fact, Illinois has lost to two teams that are in last yeah. place in the Indiana. East. Indiana, yeah, right. Remarkable. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, the most significant thing is, so Tennessee losing or Alabama losing, those things only become significant if Michigan loses to Ohio State. But, mm-hmm. you know, pr- preferably, I would imagine Michigan fans would prefer to just go ahead and beat Ohio State, and Ohio State is showing vulnerabilities. Now, right. I think everybody that's a Michigan fan is perfectly aware of Michigan's vulnerabilities too, right? But mm-hmm. there was this perception that Ohio State didn't have vulnerabilities. And I Very would good. say that that was inaccurate. Um, yeah. the, the trouble to run the ball against – to just shove it down Northwestern's throat yeah. or to keep Northwestern from having any success. I mean, Northwestern didn't score 28 points, but they had some success running the ball, doubling their average rushing total – when you knew they weren't going to throw. So right. you bring in a Michigan rushing attack, and, you know, it's going to be a different deal playing down at Columbus. It always is. I mean, it's, you know, I've come to learn in the the years of doing being on the sidelines at games, it made me realize, and I, I think this applies to Ohio State as well, if you go on the road and get the win to hell with style points, it doesn't really matter. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Put it in your bag and come home. And um, the fact is – you know, that does apply to Ohio State. But I think Ohio State, over the last few weeks, we have seen some vulnerabilities, and it just makes them mortal, okay? And there yes. were years where Michigan could line up against Ohio State 10 times, and Ohio State would win nine of them. And that, that time appears to be over. Yeah, and too many of those in, uh, in recent years, as you, uh, as you well note. Um, my, my thing down there is to win at Ohio State by one, you better win by 10 because – 
You know, it's it's a tough place to play. Tom, your reaction to what uh, Doug, Doug just put out? Well, I, I agree with Doug when he talked about that. I watched the entire Ohio State game. I know you guys were in the row. You probably saw it down in Piscataway. But I'm telling you what, I was like, I was I was just baffled. I mean, this team looks terrible. They can't run the freaking football. Northwestern could if, if Fitz had been a little bit more aggressive, it looked like he was playing the game to lose by a touchdown or two and actually throwing the ball when he had that tailwind. I was shocked by that. They could have lost that game. But my, my theory on this on Ohio State variable, guys, is this. Michigan has got to beat Ohio State. Because I, I'm trying to look at all these scenarios. If Michigan loses to Ohio State, how Michigan could get in the playoff. And none of it works. And part of it is for what Doug talked about Ohio State. You're losing to a maybe not that tough Ohio State team. But when you look at all the – I mean, I don't see it happening. Do you, Doug? Michigan well, getting into the playoff with losing to Ohio State. It's not well, working. What could benefit Michigan if it, if they go play a classic game, you know, undefeated versus undefeated, and it's let's say forty two thirty nine with a late hit late in the game that seals the deal for Ohio State. One of those kind of games. So, that we so like horseshoes, yet. play it close. You know, close as counts. Yeah, play, right? Play yeah. a great game. Oh yeah. six. Everybody saying wow, and then the teams that Michigan is up against would be potential. And Georgia runs the table. Yeah. And TCU and Ohio State are one, two, three. Georgia one, Ohio State two, TCU three. And Michigan is up against Tennessee, which has already lost to Georgia. And Oregon, who wins the Pac-12, which has already lost to Georgia. Will the committee say, let's put Oregon, who lost 49 to three to Georgia, (laughs) up against them in Atlanta, in the Peach Bowl, in the same stadium they opened the season at for a rematch? Will they say, let's put... Tennessee up against Georgia, which scored late to make that closer than it looked in a rematch, or will they give the nod to Michigan? And and that's where I think you might have a bit of a – now, we could argue about whether or not a rematch should matter, whether the cr- criteria should be just be the best four teams or if they try to avoid a rematch. I will just argue that back in 2006, what we heard is we don't want a rematch. And we've seen Ohio State beat Michigan. We don't want a rematch. So maybe the criteria will have changed, but I think that could work in Michigan's favor. Now, USC or UCLA could go out and win the Pac-12 and take the Oregon variable out of it. And, you know, Tennessee, I have much respect for their strength of schedule. And I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and, and Doug, that's, this is where the three group of fives that I was complaining about in the summertime, including at Big Ten Media Days, the Harbaugh, this is where it's going to bite you in the ass. When you're yep. playing you're, yeah, at home, three group of fives, and same thing next year. I, I had a, I had this gut feeling this is going to get them later on, and it's lining up like it might just happen. Don't so don't you give it to Tennessee, Doug, as opposed to Michigan? Yeah, you could. I mean, I can understand why. It depends who. I think it does depend on who Tennessee is playing. If if ten do they really need to see a Tennessee Georgia rematch? Would be the argument for Michigan. But I mean, that's the the group of five thing is unfortunate. You guys, I don't know how much you guys have discussed how a, Michigan a lot. Can, that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the UCLA thing. Yeah. Yeah, the UCLA yeah. thing because next year they would only had six home games. They tried to get UCLA to flip flop, so this year Michigan would have played at UCLA. Right. UCLA right. wouldn't do it, so they canceled it. Yeah, it could bite them in the butt. And I've I've sat here and argued with John Borton for years, for <laughs> <laughs> yeah. years, decades. Over a tough schedule. And I'm John all about it. Flavor cupcakes. I cupcakes. <laughs> you got what you want, and it might cost Michigan a playoff spot. I hope you're proud of yourself. Hey, Doug, I, I, I had the same <laughs> argument with Jimmy. Yeah. It, it was repeated uh, hey. this year. 
Repeat it this year. The same if, thing. Oh, well, give if, these guys some experience. You kept doing the experience thing. And I, yeah, and they're undefeated. It, it all has them undefeated. Look, uh, if you if they handle their business and take care of Ohio State, they've got zero worries because they're going to have another Big Ten championship game like they had last year. And even if you get into that Ohio State game and you lose a 2006-style game, I predicted this before the season started. I still think you have a great chance to have two Big Ten teams in the playoff. Uh, Gary Danielson, I was a little surprised to hear him say that he, he could see the same scenario playing out. And somebody on our board mentioned the fact that that sounds like somebody that uh, knows he's going to be doing, might be doing some Big Ten games in the future. Yeah, but, that, uh, that doesn't sound I, like Gary Danielson. <laughs> Gary, no, Gary no, said, it doesn't. Gary did say if there was a 14 playoff in 2006, he would have argued vehemently for Michigan and Ohio State. And I, I actually called him out on the air back then and said, I think you're only doing this because you work for the SEC. And Gary basically said, so? And so I, I, I to his credit, that's what he said. I think Gary's a great analyst. And, um, you know, his Gary's opinion or John Borden's opinion or Tom Crawford or Doug Karsher, it doesn't matter. It's only the people in that room, right? And, you know, we'll see. It, 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 we're, we're, what we're talking about is dealing with a fire that hasn't been started yet. Michigan can take care of business. And I feel much better about them taking care of business this year than I did a year ago at this time. And I think Michigan, I mean, they've won 21 of their last 23 games. They haven't really played a close game this year. There've been games that have been close-ish at halftime and the Michigan wiped people out in the second half, which is really impressive. And we can get into all the reasons why they've done it, um, but it's been very impressive. And, you know, that by the way, can be another feather in Michigan's cap. Hey, even when they played opponents like, let's say Penn State, which played Ohio State tough, Michigan blew them out in the end, right? I mean, yeah. so, you know, we'll see what happens when Ohio State goes to Maryland. And, and you know, that's that's kind of a tricky – that can be a tricky game. And like I said, you pack up any road win and you take it. We know what happened to Ohio State a few years ago down at Maryland when it looked yes. like – Oh, yeah. Won yeah. Maryland Cliffhanger. Had the game won on the last play. Um, unbelievable. Right. Yeah. That leads right into my next topic, which is can anything – derail the uh the clash of the undefeateds in columbus here in a few weeks i say no i think these two teams are going to make it there to columbus in late november uh both undefeated your thoughts doug you go first so i mean look you have to over for that to happen you have to no show right you have to have your team play well below their capability and have somebody else play their best game if you look at the schedule, maybe not Illinois. Maybe Illinois doesn't have to play their best game in Michigan. But Michigan has survived their no-show. They survived the first half at Rutgers. Uh, they survived their inability to put away Penn State early. Like that game had all kinds of things that you felt like Michigan would regret not taking advantage of early in that game. You, When you're undefeated, you usually play well with some rare occasions. It might be a half here, a quarter there and sometimes a full game. As we get to the point where there's only eight quarters left between Michigan and undefeated Ohio State, it feels like they have narrowed that chance down so much that uh, it's hard to imagine Nebraska coming in here and beating them, given what Nebraska is. Illinois could still be tricky. I mean, I know that it's easy to dismiss them because of what just happened, but 
if Illinois comes in here hyper focused, plays their best game, Michigan's going to have to work to get that win. Is is what I believe, and I think they will. But you don't want to no show on that day. Yeah, no doubt about it. You you still have to uh, play some ball down the stretch. But Tom, what do you think? You're are well, we going to have the uh, the clash of the titans? with zeros at the end of their record going into Columbus? Oh, yeah, zero with the Titans. You know, the kind of game I think that Michigan would have to uh, – a, a shoddy performance would be somewhat what Jim Harbaugh was a, was a, a senior back in uh, 1986. Remember the Minnesota game? I think Ricky Foggy was on that. Where the, all they did was start turning the ball over. You know, they're playing Minnesota, mm-hmm. and they lost a, a, a walk-off win for the Gophers, and then, and then they went down there and uh, Harbaugh guaranteed to beat Ohio State, and they beat Ohio State. But, I mean, it would have to be a, a turnover fest, I think, for either of these two teams. And, guys, I watched the entire Michigan State-Illinois game, and Illinois became Illinois. I mean, they were back to what they what I perceive them to be. It goes back to that Indiana game. I watched that game. And I just I, – I don't see them being able to run the football against Michigan's defense. And I, so I think I, that's going to be a tougher game because I think Brett Bielema has done a great job with that team. But I, I would be shocked. If Michigan drops either of these two home games, Michigan is pretty doggone good at home, guys. You all agree with me on that. All right. And uh, understand that uh, we are wrapping up our time with Mr. Kars. Thanks for uh, joining us today, Doug. And uh, we'll do it again sometime. Earlier, I'll try to bounce in. Tuesday's a crazy day for me, but I love, uh, love chatting with you guys and everybody on the Wolverine website. So good to see you. I'll, I'll circle back all in right. the future. All right, Doug. See you. Take care. Sounds good. Thanks, Doug. All right. Well, that will uh, we're gonna we're gonna bring it down the home stretch with uh, Tom Crawford and myself. And uh, thanks much to uh, to Doug Karsh. You can hear him uh, on uh, ninety seven one the ticket uh, in the Karsh and Anderson show. You can also hear him obviously as the voice of Michigan football on the Michigan Football Network. And uh, check him out doing the uh, play-by-play along with John Jansen as the analyst for Michigan football. And uh, every Monday, he uh, Doug stops by the Wolverine to uh, give us his thoughts from the broadcast booth. So check that out. Uh, we got a couple more topics to go, Tom Crawford, and I appreciate uh, – as always, your takes on this stuff. You 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 got all aligned with uh, with Doug Karsh, our guest, because you you guys are the, you know, you gotta you gotta play uh, Texas and uh, Notre Dame and and Alabama in the preseason uh, or in the non conference no, season. No, no, just play. Oh, I guess. Jamie, 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 I know you. One, I know one, one power five. You don't even have to be a good yeah. power five. Go do a home and home with Iowa State. Okay. Just get the yep. free, and I'm not, you know, not hating on a group of fives, or at least play somebody from the Sun Belt. You know, bring yeah. bring up Appalachian State, Coastal Carolina. I watched Coastal Carolina and Appalachian State play. Those teams could beat half of the Big Ten teams with speed alone. Uh, just a better Sun Belt team. Now, East sure. Carolina is one of those better Sun Belt. I- I'm just saying, get better teams than what we had this past year if you're going to go non power five. No, I get it. I'm just Sorry to be I'm in part that in part in part I'm I'm walking past the whistling past the graveyard here because uh you know you don't necessarily want that schedule to come back and and bite uh Michigan. 
Uh, and I don't want it to happen for a for another reason because of the way that I have talked about this over the years, <laughs> and to you, and to Doug Carr. So we'll never let you forget it. I there's no question about that. Here's one for you, and uh, it's probably good that Doug's gone because in his position he would have to uh, maybe recuse himself from this discussion. But who is, in your mind, Michigan's MVP coach? At this point of the season, oh, that's a uh, uh, that's a that's a really good one. Um, I, 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 you know, Sharon Moore, uh, that O line. I mean, how do you say no to that? And then, and then at DC at Jesse Mentor. I mean, how do you say no to that? Um, uh, mm-hmm. Maybe Cole. I don't know. I mean, there's been a lot of you know good uh, good situations. You know, I would have thrown Jay Harbaugh in the mix on that until what happened at Rutgers last week. <laughs> Well, there you go. And the special teams, you know, uh, that's uh-huh. a big, I mean, special teams, you know, it's funny, special teams, and I'm, you know, you know, special, and the missed field goals, I know 50 yards, but I mean, the special teams was the only real negative of what happened at Piscataway. You think about I it. I agree. And I would have to uh, say that the better that that type of dramatic special teams breakdown happen at Rutgers and then have you say, "Oh man, we got to pay more. We got to work on that and pay attention to that." Then have it happen here in three weeks. But yeah. uh, anyway, I, I know what you're saying. I do lean a little bit towards Jesse Minter just from the fact that you know. Remember what happened when Michigan lost its defensive coordinator from uh, the Baltimore Ravens after only a year, and everybody was like, "Oh my word." How could this happen? And how are they now? They're you know they lost their their uh, rush ends, and now they lost their defensive coordinator. This defense is really going to be uh, you're you're going to have to make up for a lot yeah. there. And when I mouth the uh, the ongoing sentiment going into the season down in Indianapolis, and and it came across the ears of one Mozzie Smith, I will never forget how he set his jaw and said. Let them let them keep talking. Let them keep talking. Let them let let us be the yeah. weak spot. Yeah, it's yeah. like I, that every year. I, I, I remember uh, that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and for Minter to come in and have this thing become so seamless and have a defense that's giving up an average twelve points a game, I just think is is really something at this point. But, but you know what? You know what's the commonality there? It's it's Baltimore Ravens DNA. Okay, yes, it's sir. the ball. I mean Jesse Mentor was in that. Franchise was in that on that NFL team coaching staff for four years, and then he did the Vandy thing. When and that's you know that doesn't even count with me. It's the four years with the Ravens, okay? And I mean, you can tell. I mean, in the terminology, and I mean, we heard about this. It's pretty much the same as Mike McDonald, and uh, this is a young guy. This is why I don't think he's like thirty-eight years old. Um, this guy is the real deal. Now, the biggest challenge for Michigan is keeping this guy on board, like it is when every anytime you have a good DC. But I think by the end of the year, uh, you're going to hear his name a lot uh, in terms of the accolades because of what we're seeing in the second half. And in reality, I mean, sometimes like in the you know the Michigan State game was not you know I mean they they gave up some big plays uh, to to Keon Coleman you know and the, and what did they do? They doubled down on him and they took him out. Of, I'm talking about Michigan State game you know in the first half, cut him out of it. And look what Michigan State had what no first downs in the third quarter and they didn't get a, a a first down until halfway in the second half until halfway through the fourth quarter and they got some garbage yards at the end so 
yeah, uh, halftime adjustments are big. Maybe, you know, pitch a complete game would be nice for this defense, and I'm sure that might happen these next couple of weeks. And it all comes down to Ohio State, though. I mean, all this stuff we've talked about on the podcast, John, it's yeah. got one premise, beat Ohio State. And it's almost like – and it's like Michigan's got to pitch a perfect game as a season, as the 12 games. you got to pitch a perfect game because of their week non-conference, okay? So go pitch a perfect game, okay? Just go do it. Absolutely. You don't have any of these variables. And if we're all doing these woulda, should. I mean, we're all doing it. Well, what if, you know, we're all trying to trying to create Michigan equity if Michigan loses to Ohio State. Let's get the Michigan lose to Ohio State out of our system and just and just focus positively that they're going to beat Ohio State. Because I, I, think, I think now they're going to beat them. I really do. Feels like the, the 1970s all over again. It's all or nothing. Yeah, and you might as well go into it with that mindset. Hey, it's a three-team. Look at, look at. They're in the playoffs. Let's be real. They're in a. It's it's got what? It's got it's three. You, you win three games to be a national champion, and you start with a road game, yeah. and you get a couple of neutrals. Okay, one's in hopefully the Peach Bowl in Atlanta, and the other one would be out in SoFi, out in LA. Okay, so there's your schedule. So there you got the playoff yeah. schedule all laid out. So just go do it. I like how you're taking the Big Ten championship game for granted. Oh, yeah. And I understand why. (laughs) (laughs) I understand why. All right. That's a fortune. You're right. (laughs) Before we go, uh, we are into basketball season because they tipped off in uh, in earnest last night with a, a victory, a fairly easy victory. Your thoughts on Juwan Howard's basketball team and how it performed in that opener? Well, I liked it. You know, uh, you know, people say Purdue, Fort Wayne, Purdue, Fort Wayne. Well, they're picked number one in the Horizon Conference, although their best player did not play. So we got to throw that little caveat in there. But I, I, you know, I mean, who doesn't like Jed Howard? What you saw last night? I mean, this is a this is a dude who looks. Uh, I call it, he, he's got fluidity. You know, he's moving and he. I mean, he can. He, he's got a quick release. He's got a great looking shot. Um, I, he's going to be a terrific player. And he glides. Um, um, I, I I love that guy. And then Hunter, you know, Hunter played pretty doggone good last night. I mean, he barely he missed like two oh, yeah. shots. He ended up with twenty two points. He got several boards. And he is just a big dude. He is going to frustrate a lot of teams, John, uh, just by his sheer height. You know, I think. Uh, and, and remember, we were in the presser and we were asking Juwan a lot. Uh, you know, we're picking up little players here and there. You know. Kobe, mm-hmm. you know what? And then he got a little defensive on. Did you notice that? This is guys. Oh, he's guys. He's protecting his game. players. Yeah, it's one point. Yeah. It's one point. Yeah. One, one, you know, one game, guys. Guys, I mean, that happened a couple of times. And so then, I, you know, when I got to my turn, I made sure it was a general question. You know, not <laughs> not, not not have just one player. But I think you know, the Juwan thing, had his game face on. Yeah, he did. Um, and I don't think he was completely satisfied the game with. But I, you know, things that bother me. Uh, that worry me, okay, worry me, uh, our uh, free throw shooting is one. And then the rebounding, they got out rebounding in the first half. That That's another one. And then um, getting uh, perimeter shooting at the guards is, is you know, I mean, Kobe, you know, Juwan's not here to get irritated with me. But Kobe, I mean, I got to see him knock down oh, that one in the wing. He can't not – I haven't seen him knock it down enough to start believing that he's, you know, I'm sure we're at game one, but Kobe's got to have to deliver because there, I mean, Hunter's reversing the ball. He's getting good looks. He's got to knock it down. 
Kobe Bufkin. Um, because, you know, I don't think Llewellyn, you know, uh, is Jalen Llewellyn. He only had two points. I think he's more of a, a a distributor. And this Doug McDaniel is truly a distributor. And that drive to the basket, I swear to God, took me back to Ricky Green. You know what's what I'm talking about? He, uh, I, I know mean, exactly. Goes behind that, the back and then crosses yeah, over. And crosses, and that, crosses that, was, that was crazy, crazy downhill speed with a ball. I like that no kid. And I think he's going to play more and more. And Joey Here's Baker, one. Joey Baker's got to hit some. You know, he's got to be. The oh guy. yeah, yeah. Hit the shots. He can have a fun year. Uh, yeah. he, one thing that was um, I really noticed and was kind of uh, half amusing to me, but it's is serious business for Juwan and this team is the fact that he knows they're going to have to play better defense, and he knows that they can play better defense. So you would see one of these uh, one of these situations where jet howard makes a fantastic play and makes a great shot and the crowd's going crazy yeah and here's juan he's he's oh waving him back. get back get back get back great i mean it, oh it, yeah. he was he was working it and it was almost like well jet is, what yeah. i mean yeah. i made a good play well Watch i think that, i mean jet, jet was falling down in a couple of those he had to pick himself off the floor but that's a great point yeah. because you remember I'll never forget that Minnesota game, the first Big Ten opener last year, when that Jamison battle. Remember that dribble drive mm-hmm. penetration that Minnesota had? It was like jaw dropping. I mean, is there anybody that could stop the ball? And that really right. plagued that team uh, for a lot of the season, not all of it. And they shorted it up a little bit better. I mean, this is a team that had a 17 and 14 record, it was a quote unquote bubble team, got in, uh, and it was eliminated early on. Uh, you know, uh, or got into the tournament, you know, uh, the Big Ten tournament, Indiana took care of them. And was, they got in a tournament, okay, uh, but they won two big games uh, down in yes, Indy sir. that I attended. We were at, we were there, and uh, the fact that they beat number two seed Tennessee, I mean, that show, I mean, that that was, that made that season, those two games. That was the season, you know, in sure. my estimation. This, this, this team's going to build off that two-game set. Uh, but you got to stop dribble drive penetration. That kills you, absolutely kills you. And um, Michigan, you know, when they play a good team, uh, I got to see it to believe it that they're going to be able to do that. I hope, I hope I'm, I, I hope we see it, and we're going to find out soon. Absolutely, I think you're going to see plenty more out of this team. Uh, you've got uh, some uh, EMU action coming up. You're going to yeah. have uh, Amani Bates. Uh, <laughs> oh, Amani Bates, no doubt about it. Hey. Uh, appreciate you being with us as always. We got to wrap this thing up, but it's uh, it's been great. Thanks, our thanks to uh, Doug Karsh, who was able to drop in on us for a while. We're going to have another special guest next week, and uh, we will uh, keep a lid on who that is for now. But I'm just saying, come back and join us, uh, John Borton, Tom Crawford, and uh, a guest to be named later as we bring it down and bring it down these last few weeks before Ohio State getting more and more exciting. Tom Crawford, thanks for being with us. Always a pleasure, JB. See you in the box on uh, Saturday afternoon against the Huskers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.